welcome to couch potato. What is the crack, ladies and gentlemen? It's the return of your reigning champion. It's your boy. Uh, hotter than high school musical Troy. Um, please no soy. Uh, uh, it's me. It's uh, it's just Jimmy. Just weird weird food guy, uh, Jimmy. But I'm back by popular demand to um, to pollute the internet. We didn't get banned from Spotify. Overcame that first big hurdle. Um, Back with the sexy voice, back with the hashtag audio chocolate. Y'all know that you like it. It's <laughs> uh, five of your five a day, whatever. Um, couldn't have had a weirder start, but we keep going. Uh, thank you, thank you for all your feedback on the first episode. Um, in all seriousness, it was it was very much appreciated, and a lot more people. Um, listen to it than than I thought they would, and like we had people all over the world listening to it, so that was that was pretty cool. Not gonna lie. So thanks everyone for that, and um, you can blame all those people who asked for a follow up. Why you're getting uh, why you're getting this sort of verbal diarrhea right now? So um, not gonna name any names, but uh. My mom basically was the only one who asked for a follow-up, um, and she didn't even listen. Okay, because she thinks that she might be able to monetize it. Anyway, so back to the topic at hand. We're back, episode two of Couch Potato, and before you get too excited that this is just going to be an absolute banter fest, lads, for the next half an hour to, um, uh, well, it could be a couple of days. Uh, this is actually going to involve. Uh, a little bit of learning. Um, please don't throw up. Um, but I just want to say, you know, buckle in. There's going to be a bit of nerd in this. Um, you know, I've got my glasses on today, so I'm full on, full on dorking out here. Um, but it might be a subject that some of you are interested in listening to. Um, you know, we did the poll the other day and um, and you guys wanted to hear me talk about self-compassion, um, and I think I asked it in the context of dieting, but I thought I would rather look at it in the grand talk, uh, grand sort of context in, of health and fitness as a whole, and and um, sort of its importance, uh, despite the fact that it's kind of like a relatively new, I don't know, practice. Uh, in fact, I think the research actually only sort of started in around 2003, so... You know, I'm older than it. Really, I'm older than most things because I'm basically like a, a prehistoric man with uh, A, my IQ, and, and B, how early I go to bed at night, I'm that old. Um, but anyway, and also my hips. Jesus. Uh, and my back. And my arthritis. Uh, and my eyesight. Now, what were we talking about again? Jokes. Anyway, so, why... Why do we want to talk about self-compassion? Um, we're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss uh, sort of the value of it. 
um, how it works, uh, what the research says, and how it can be implemented. Because I feel like it's all well and good to talk about the research, but if you don't know how to practice it, then well, who gives a shit, right? So, why choose self-compassion? And I feel like I want to talk about it, me, because I really don't like the health and fitness industry. In fact, and this is trademarked, I describe it as the health and shitness industry. (laughs) Because, quite frankly, it's very archaic in how it approaches things. Um, and And it's not just the health and fitness industry, it's media... It's uh, society, social media, obviously. But also there is kind of this generational issue as well. Uh, And that's obviously been influenced heavily by their media and culture and whatever. But it's this kind of narrative that drives um, guilt and shame. Um, And we are supposed to feel these negative feelings because we've done something that is not society's perception of good or healthy. Uh, Understanding that those things are contextual, right? So put your hand up. Um, Maybe don't do it in real life because, I mean, I'm sure you're laughing like hysterically already at how funny I am, which is normal, like you're human. Um, but if you start sort of throwing your arms up in the air and shit, and so you're laughing and dancing at the same time, <sighs> COVID might not get you, but you might get stuck in a mental asylum. So, you know, especially if someone sees you, although you should be, should be inside. Or should you, or shouldn't you? Uh, not too sure anymore. Thanks, Boris. Um, but yeah, put up your hand if you've ever had a food and been like, why did I eat that bad food? And then the conversation stops there. You feel guilty. You feel ashamed. And then about two days later, you find yourself back eating that same food again. Put up your hand. Put up both hands. Put up both legs. Um, Because I'm sure we've all experienced that in some way, shape, or form. And whether society tells us that that food is like unhealthy, or it's toxic, or addictive, or whatever else, it like it's bad, right? Quote unquote bad. But they can never really give you a proper context for it, right? And that actually applies the same for exercise as well, because I find a lot of people feel guilty or ashamed because they haven't exercised. Um, whether it's bad coaching, telling them that they're lazy, uh, or people sort of being emotionally unaware that they might be struggling with a mental health disorder and they don't want to do anything today. And again, it's that sort of, oh, you're lazy. Why can't you be bothered? Just be normal and go for a walk. Da, 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 da. It's all this shit, right? All this shit just circles around. And it's kind of like this vortex of guilt and shame that just circulates and circulates and circulates. And ultimately, that will culminate in some kind of self-destructive behavior, right? And it's probably not unsurprising to know that women tend to feel more guilt, uh, more shame, and tend to be more self-critical than men. Uh, anecdotally, 
that's pretty obvious. Um, but it's also like in the stats and shit as well. Um, but that's not to be uh, surprised. So society drives this kind of narrative that we should feel guilty and ashamed for doing things, eating things, acting in a certain way that is not conducive to their perspective or their sort of narrative or what they've been told is right or wrong, good, bad, healthy. Now, there are obviously certain things that are bad, you know, killing people, um, selling herbal life, uh, telling everyone that you're vegan when no one asks. Like, that stuff's bad. That's annoying and potentially harmful, especially the vegan stuff. Um, just kidding. Um, but, you know, more getting into kind of like a more of a serious tone, like when it comes to food choice, and this is obviously mainly what this is going to be about because I'm I'm a food dude, right? Um, on the food side of things, we've been told the same stories for a very long time that X food is bad or unhealthy or addictive or toxic, and so you shouldn't eat it, right? Now, sadly, those foods that tend to be those things tend to make us feel good. And that's obviously a physiological response, but we also have the psychology component of that too. The experiences that we sort of associate with that food, and I'm just going to use this as an example, but obviously there is chocolate. And I'm going to take one specific example of when people, when I say people, when women tend to eat chocolate and then feel guilty and ashamed and tend to binge. And that is in around sort of their menstrual cycle, uh, or not their menstrual cycle, their uh, menstruation week, right? So, in the luteal phase, going into menstruation, they're having their period. In Western society, they are craving chocolate like mad. And no, I'm not talking about the audible chocolate that is Couch Potato Podcast, which of course rated the number one sexy podcast um, in Dremore. Now I'm talking about the, uh, you know, milk chocolate, whatever. And yes, that is a cultural thing. You have people in Spain or, well, more particularly, or more sort of like relevant would be like Asian countries. They're actually more into savory stuff. Um, but that chocolate is perceived as bad. And so they restrict, 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 because it's bad without any sort of understanding of the context behind why it may be bad and then they ultimately binge right and uh, what do you feel when you binge you don't feel well i am a legend i'm going to go out here and uh wear my big fat smile on my face didn't mean it like that but it came out that way because my brain's not thinking right um i'm not fat shaming your smile <laughs> um and just feel generally quite happy, like you're jumping all about the place, blah, 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 blah. That's not what happens. What happens is you eat the food eventually, because you can't restrict forever, especially not when your hormones and everything else is driving you mental. Um, you end up binging because you've restricted so much. And then that then leads to these almost crippling feelings of guilt and shame. And what do those do? act as like a negative feedback loop 
pun definitely intended, act as like a negative feedback loop towards the next binge. The easiest way for me to put that is we eat because we're sad and then we're sad because we eat and then it just goes round and round, round and round and round and it gets worse and worse every single time. Um, and a very, like, and just kind of like on a side note, I hate when people use the words healthy and unhealthy for foods because it's all about context. And this is what I said to anyone who wants to argue that point. If a chocolate bar can stave off a binge and it fits within your goals, is it healthy or is it unhealthy? And if you can argue that it is unhealthy, then you don't know what you're talking about and you need to stop arguing with people on the internet. There you go. Um, so we obviously can tell, right, that these feelings of guilt and shame, which apply not just to this, but other aspects as well. So, I mean, there's, like, they tie into mental health disorders, uh, other destructive behaviors like smoking and stuff, uh, even athletic performance, all this kind of stuff. And, it, and it, there is really no benefit to feeling like this guilt and shame unless you kill someone, which, you know, don't do that. But like having a chocolate bar is, is not something you should feel guilty or ashamed about. And this is why. So it is. Um, and I'm going to tell you off purely uh, because these feelings of guilt and shame or whatever other descriptor you want to call them um, don't help. And this is where self-compassion comes into play. So self-compassion sounds very kind of like airy-fairy and it's actually it's rooted in Buddhist uh, teachings. Now, I'm no Buddhist. I would look god-awful with a shaved head and a towel. I'm telling you now. Um, but, you know, these dudes are onto something. And I like the fact they live in, like, little temples. I don't know what the Wi-Fi signal's like. I can't imagine it'd be great. Probably something akin to, like... Uh, like, if you were to live in, maybe, Lurgan. Well, most people won't get that reference. But... It's a shithole. Just kidding. Uh, certainly no 5G there. Definitely no Rona though. Um, but yeah. I've completely lost train of thought there. The value of self-compassion. Getting back on track. <laughs> wow. Guys, I need more caffeine. Uh, the value of self-compassion. Right. So we know that feelings of guilt and shame don't work for us. So how do we combat them? How can we use self-compassion to push us towards behaviors that are more conducive to goals, long-term goals uh, and success, be it in dieting or whatever else. Um, and understand like why it works and why we see the benefit. Like you have to understand kind of like the core elements of self-compassion. So it kind of, kind of, the theory itself is kind of balanced on three I would say like core pillars right which are this feeling of common humanity that you're not alone 
um, being mindful of a situation and not trying to run from it or escape from it, but instead kind of embracing it kind of head on and like really getting to grips of what you're actually feeling. And then obviously then you have the compassionate self-reflection, you know, that ability to not just forgive yourself, but to even go as far as to like learn and to move on. Um, and that sounds great. Like that sounds great, but does it like, does it actually work? And in practice it does. And again, I'm the food guy. So I'm going to pick out a study which looked at self-compassion in practice when it comes to food. And I couldn't think of anything better to study than donuts. So there was a study done, and I promise this is not going to be boring because it has donuts. This is going to teach you how to have a donut and not feel bad about it. There was a study done in uh, college uh, women, and they were split into several groups, right? So you had one group, which was going to get the self-compassion intervention. So they were basically taught how to be, how to practice self-compassion, um, or even to have someone walk them through self-compassion. They have another group which didn't receive anything. They were just brought in, do this, see you later. So the first group, this is your self-compassion group. They were brought in and they were met with a range of donuts. And to test them even more, they were given full flavor range. So you can pick whichever donut you want, right? They were brought into this room and said, you pick that donut, right? You pick that donut, Barbara, right? I want you to eat the whole thing. And you can't leave here till you eat that whole donut, right? So of course, at this stage, everyone was shitting themselves, but everyone sat down and they ate their donut and just to be extra spiteful the researchers said now you have to drink water and so they give them something i think it was like a pint of water or whatever right and they said you have to finish the water as well before you can leave and so everyone had the donut drank the water so they're feeling a little bit uncomfortable probably a little bit bloated from having both those things um and of course, those feelings of guilt and shame start to circulate, right? And that group that was going to receive the self-compassion intervention then received their intervention. Um, one of the researchers came up to the front and said, look, we've all, we've all wanted a donut in our time. Now, this is not our exact words. Paraphrasing here. We all like donuts. Yes, we all like donuts. We're all here. We're probably all feeling a little bit uncomfortable right now. You're not alone. It's all right to have the donut. No one's judging you. It won't have any effect on your diet long term. Just enjoy the donut. Talk to each other. Enjoy the experience. And on the way out, we want you to evaluate these new candies that we've got, new sweets. Um, take a couple if you want you don't have to have any if you don't want to and uh, and they were made to sit there for a while and then the other group just kind of had to sit there talk amongst themselves but they didn't receive 
any sort of self-compassionate counseling and obviously the woman did a much better job than i just described there but i've forgotten exactly what she said and quite frankly that's my old age coming into play so you can forgive me there and basically they were told the same thing you come in pick your donut eat it drink the water don't leave and then do what you want with those candies on the way out you don't have to eat them but you can eat them if you want to and what they found was that the group who didn't receive the self-compassion talk obviously they measured kind of how they felt and everything like all this kind of stuff afterwards like obviously they've both groups uh like felt some kind of experience like discomfort um but the group which didn't receive the intervention they had higher scores on the scales which measure kind of like self-criticism uh, how you sort of evaluate your own body image and all these kind of things but they also eat a significantly greater amount of the sweets and candies and stuff and so we can see kind of from that study that even in that instance like people will look for something like that to kind of make themselves feel better after making themselves feel worse even if it was, they know that it's like the food made me feel bad right because i felt fine before i came in i had the donut i had the water i felt bad you know i felt bloated i didn't feel good i felt disgusting their words not mine but they still tended to have the sweets afterwards whereas the group that received the compassionate self-compassion talk actually tended to have a lot less candies if, if none at all because they were fine they didn't they tended to report less guilt less shame and so they weren't looking for anything to help them cope with the negative emotions in that moment so i find that to be pretty interesting um mainly just because hey here's a donut by the way it's totally sound everyone here's having a donut chill out about it and then you tend to eat less and i think that's it's a useful message for people to know, like in all seriousness, like we all indulge, like, trust me, we all indulge. It's called Christmas, right? Your boy here can put away a whole ham roast by himself. Afterwards, you ask me, how do I feel? And I probably would just oink back at you, but I feel fine because I know that's not a reflection of every day of the week. Um, and I enjoyed the experience. I know that that is, that is Christmas for me. That is my experience. I know that I'm not alone in the fact that I indulge at Christmas. Everyone indulges at Christmas. And I know personally what the experience feels like to not indulge at Christmas too and to hide away from that fact and pretend to be sick and pretend to be all these things to avoid eating because you're so afraid of gaining the weight back. Like that's crippling and you lose out on life. But to embrace the moment, understand that any physiological change is also fleeting as well. Like, and that's a whole different story for me to go into, like how, how little difference one meal will make or one day will make in a diet. Um, but that the, the psychological component of the meal, like the experience is so much more valuable and that to feel guilty or feel ashamed or whatever else about it not only ruins the experience and the memory but it might also lead to 
disordered eating patterns or whatever else it may be, right? Um, and for you other nerds out there, you're probably like, well, what is the meta-analysis and systematic reviews say on this one, Amy? Uh, they tend to agree. And they find that the, the use of self-compassion is not uh, an isolated modality of benefit. They see that it actually helps people with all sorts of things, you know, not just binge eating, but there's other forms of eating disordered, uh, eating disorders and disordered eating, um, body image issues, uh, mental health disorders, uh, smoking, like you mentioned, uh, procrastination, and um, even athletic performance, you know, helping athletes move on after a quote-unquote bad performance, um, and then seeing them improve in the next session, like that's all that's all validated when you look at self-compassion in practice. So not only can it combat feelings of guilt and shame associated with food, but it also helps you to move on from other aspects of life too. Like, oh, I didn't get the job. Okay. I'm not the only one who's never got a job in their life. You know, you're mindful, like, what does it feel like to be rejected? What am I looking for? You know, what would actually make me feel better in this moment? What do I know that is going to make me feel better? And then sort of forgiving yourself to understanding that you're not possibly going to get every single job that you apply to. But you have to keep applying to get the job that you love. So you just keep going. So self-compassion is almost like a practice of not just resiliency, but like perseverance. I think a lot of the time as well. Um, cool so I hope that kind of makes sense um, and now you're probably all wondering well that sounds absolutely amazing Jamie um, uh, how do I do it <laughs> uh, how do you do it well it's uh, it's kind of a process you know it, it's not just a case of here bro you're sweet uh, that other guy is, is a weirdo too so you're grand like that's that's not how it works um well it is kind of but not quite um i like to when i'm putting it into practice i like to kind of focus on two main exercises and maybe a third if i really need it so like the first exercise and this is anything like you can do this at home this does not require someone to like help this is purely stuff that you can do at home to put this into practice that can help you with your relationship with food, with your relationship with yourself, with your relationship with well, how critical you are when you procrastinate, like all this kind of shit. Like you can do this today. It doesn't take that long um, and it should hopefully be a benefit. So the first thing that I would say to people is I would write down exactly what it is that causes you this distress or these feelings of guilt and shame and why you feel the need to be so critical um, and how what does it look like when you reflect on it basically and then have a little think and write down next if those are the like write down next sort of the behaviors that you would normally do to attend to it or to help you make you feel better and instead write down what you feel like you could actually need 
in that time. So, like if you, if you have a shit day at work and you come home and you're like, I just want to, I just want to snort 10 tubs of Ben and Jerry's. Write that down and be like, well, what, what do I actually need? Do I need a nose full of Ben and Jerry's or do I need to go and speak to a friend, family member? Do I need to go for a walk? You know, if my boyfriend or girlfriend's kicking about, you know, a bit of that. Um, or, you know, alternatively, go and kidnap someone's dog and play with it. What would be better? So try to identify the actual behavior, which is going to help with the issue in a non-destructive way. Maybe not kidnapping the dog in, uh, in that instance. Um, and then there's also things that you can practice daily. So this is kind of like the three pillars that we were talking about. And these are just phrases that you can use based on what you're experiencing. So you want to be mindful, you want to focus on common humanity, and you want to focus on self-kindness. So that's going to be like, so say you are a, uh, a binge eater or someone who has binged or someone who indulges, like I hate to use these terms that are like labels because I feel like then as we begin to identify them, we kind of become trapped in that, like that becomes who we are. But for the sake of this, it makes it easier. Um, so if you feel like a binge might be coming, so identify that experience like identify what that feels like like what does this actually feel like am i hungry am i sad am i stressed what is going on what happened what drove this do i feel pressure you know what what is that feeling if you were to write it down what is that feeling and the next would be common humanity and as simply saying this is something we all share you know we all have issues around food at some stage in our lives, I believe. Um, and you certainly aren't alone if, uh, if you deal with that kind of relationship with food. Uh, I can tell you that for free. Although if you, if you do want to send me money for that one statement, more than welcome to. Um, and then it's a case of self-kindness. And you know, there's multiple ways you can go about self-kindness. You know, The occasional ones I like to go down would be like, I try to find the nearest mirror and I look at myself and I say, you are a bad bitch. You don't need no man. And of course, being a straight man, I, uh, I, I definitely don't need a, need a man, but um, maybe a bit too much hip hop culture. Uh, or alternatively, I would, um, I would have a uh, look at the chocolate bar and say like, hey, Hey you, Fredo, you're not the only snack in this room, tell you that. And then proceed to have like a twerk off with the Fredo bar, which usually I would win. Um, occasionally, Fredo does win. Um, and also, if you want to sign my petition uh, to Boris Johnson to complain about the uh, inflation prices of Fredo's, then uh, please let me know. Um, but I think like, and generally speaking, you know, phrases like, you're okay, this is a drop in the ocean, this is part of a process, you are inherently a good person, 
and even reflecting on the value of this process may be beneficial too. Like, why am I, why am I saying these things? Like, what, like, what is the point in me going through this? Be mindful, common humanity, self kindness. Like, what is the point? And the whole point is to break that guilt slash, to break the guilt slash shame negative feedback loop, which is driving all these behaviors, which I'm sure are kind of bringing down your whole quality of life basically so that's kind of like a nice little motivator for change although i don't really believe in motivation um and this this is probably like this is a technique i use this is my super secret technique this is the kill shot right this is the this is the steroids of self-compassion uh if you want to call it that and this is busting out, uh, busting out the old letter, writing a letter. Um, and I would advise this for anyone who does genuinely struggle quite a lot with how they speak to themselves. And I would write a self-compassionate letter um, about the issue that you tend to feel bad about. But I would frame it from the perspective of an imaginary friend or even the future version of yourself who has come to peace with all these things and I would frame it in a way that is unconditionally kind uh, accepting and compassionate and allows you like frame it in a way if you knew your friend or your loved one or whatever else is going through this write to them right because you should be your best friend (laughs) not in the sense that you talk to yourself and that you're number one on your Bebo top 64, but I hope you get what I say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of self-compassion in a very brief nutshell. I mean, I, I don't want to go into it in a huge amount of depth because I believe the human psyche is like a big giant candy floss. Wah. Um, but I hope this kind of makes a little bit of sense and there's some takeaways that you can have from this that help you to not just understand well why would someone be self-compassionate in one of those instances but also how to put it into practice and even just to be aware that being a dick to yourself has no real benefit the only instance when it might be beneficial to have a negative take on something is when you are preparing for what may cause it to be derailed so but even that would be more like well how do i make this goal or these behaviors or whatever else how do i make those feel proof as opposed to the expectations that you are going to feel somewhere down the line which is honestly just a a, like quite a negative take on it but even that might be beneficial if it allows you to say like okay well i want to go to the gym this week three times so i need to pack my trainers at this time or else I will forget, and then I will feel bad, and then I will binge, and then I will feel bad, and then I will binge some more. Um, and you might even eat your shoes, which is not good. So yeah, I hope that hope that kind of makes self and self compassion. Of course, you can always just send me any questions on it. Um, as you can tell, I'm a very compassionate guy myself. You know, there's a lot of self love, a lot of physical self love, especially during quarantine. Um, Yeah, especially during quarantine, a lot of self-love. Mainly it's the physical variety. Anyway, 
Um, as per usual, we're going to do a couple of Q and A's um, that you guys have sent in. And I'm just conscious of the time, so I don't want to do too, too long. Um, so we'll answer some of the, we'll answer like a serious one first. I think a serious one. Um, so this person was asking, let me just check exactly, but I think it's generally to do with the... Tips to combat negative self-talk and food guilt. Okay, that's going to have to take like a whole podcast in of itself. Um, but I would say when it comes to self-talk, understanding where it's rooted from, where it comes from, is kind of like your first step. And understanding that a lot of these things are childhood experiences that are warped um, as we get older. Uh, it's almost like your beliefs which kind of form your personality. Um, it's kind of like when your headphones get really tangled up in your pocket. And so trying to unravel those, if indeed it is a belief or a thought or whatever that drives negative self-talk is kind of like what you should. So you almost have to work retroactively to address the present. And so for a lot of people, I find that it is overly critical parenting or neglect or absence of love or rejection even further down the line from like a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever else or bullying come to peace with those understand that that is not a reflection of you as a person today and it might even be worth looking into um well i think self-compassion is going to feature in there it depends what what you're sort of meaning about negative self-talk but um looking at even comparing present self to who you want to be so present self to future self because i find that a lot of self-talk is rooted in the fact that we are not good enough based on our own expectations of who we should be so who is that person that you are identifying towards and what do you need to do to get there and how far away are you really? And if it's a personality thing, like I need to be kinder, you can do that shit today. Like if it's, uh, I need to talk to my friends more, I need to do all these kind of things, then like that's shit you can do today. If it's money related, make a plan. If it's career related, make a plan. Um, like, but that is, I picked a question that would require a lot more in-depth kind of coverage, so I do apologize. But I hope that kind of maybe helps. If even this podcast might help a little bit, because I think you could probably use some of the self-compassion practice in that, at least to address the present. Um, but again, I think getting to the roots, addressing that, being kind to yourself at the moment uh, is going to be a benefit. Uh, feet. Uh, yes, those are for sale. You can buy all my feet picks um, on my only feet account, which is of course in my link tree on my Instagram. Um, thoughts on alcohol and maintaining a healthy balance physically and mentally. Uh, alcohol is great. It would require again 
<laughs> an entire podcast to cover that. And it's one of these things where drink smarter <laughs> is probably going to be a benefit. So understanding that alcohol itself, you know, is not... Because it depends what you mean by physically and mentally. Look, we'll just cover it in a future podcast because that will take me all day and I'm I'm a rambler at the best times. So. But thank you. That gives me an idea for a future one. Um, and then this is obviously a very important question. Uh, best Tato flavor slash crisp. Firstly, you have to distinguish that it has to be the Northern Irish Tato because the Southern one is weird. Like, I don't know who was drawing him. But they messed him up real, real bad. Um, but I think if anyone says anything other than the original cheese and onion flavor within a sandwich context, then they probably need to have their their brain checked. Um, and then all the rest of the questions are really, really, really long and would require podcasts themselves. So uh, we're getting up there in the time. Anyway, for today's podcast, and I don't want to keep it too, too long. So we will call it a day uh, there. We're at the 41-minute mark. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was self-compassion. That was the Q&A. Um, you know, we stepped it up big time this week uh, in terms of the production value. I actually wrote a small script. <laughs> um God knows what will come next episode. Full on short movie trailer or something to follow the follow the episode. So yeah. Um but cool. Uh thanks everyone for listening. If you stuck with it to the end. Uh again, I appreciate all the feedback on episode one. Like honestly, that it meant the world to me that you guys didn't report me and I was not banned from Spotify. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I hope there's something you can take away from it. Um in all seriousness, I, I do understand that trying to cover this topic in one podcast and going through everything to do with it is quite difficult. Um, but hopefully there's little bits you can take away from it, at least see the value of putting self-compassion into practice. Uh, and even those things that you can implement yourself, I hope some of those can be useful. Um, obviously, I'm sure you all can't wait until the next episode of the of the Moistcast. That, I mean, uh, Couch Potato, uh, aka Audio Chocolate. Um and uh yeah I guess I'll I guess you'll hear me all next time <laughs> God I need a girlfriend yeah all right cheers guys um bone apple teeth <laughs> <laughs>